up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. Hello, Christopher. You're looking, um... Disheveled? Sure, no, no. I, I was thinking, like, grandiose. Oh, that's an you're, odd way to describe it. Phil, you're looking a little bit thick. <laughs> I don't I don't know Jeez. if I'm just project, projecting my um, feelings of middle-aged weight onto you. Yeah, I, I think you're projecting, and I think it's fine. There's a little thing called COVID, and COVID brought out the best in us and the worst in us and the most in us if you catch my drift definitely happened although phil you actually look fantastic you look great you don't look any different than you did back in 2001 two three ish i just thought that you know we could talk about things that are fat i think i do a good job of hiding it like in this little thumbnail image that you can see of me I think below the neck, there's maybe an extra 30, 40, 50 pounds floating around somewhere. And that's okay. You got to love yourself, Chris. When I was in middle school, I played football and had a great time. I loved football growing up. I was six feet tall and 130 pounds in middle school. It was really, really weird. And so do you know what position they, they, they stuck me on? Wide receiver. Defensive end. Okay. Yeah, I was. I wanted to be a wide receiver. I wanted to be a quarterback, you know, play all the fun positions. But they're like, yeah, you're just going to be defensive end. And then they realized I was tall and skinny enough to also play the offensive line, which I didn't know was a thing. But yeah, I guess like nobody could get around me. So they just took me on the line, man. You just had long arms, Phil. You had long arms. Yeah. But we had fun. It was a good time. And um, if if maybe the listener, plural or singular, I'm not sure yet, if they are unsure of why we're even talking about any of this right now. It's because we have this episode on fat, and it's not the worst thing in the world, Chris. So, but why are we talking about it? Why? What's the deal with fat, yo? That's a great question, Phil. And I think you just have to go back to our last episode on acid, and, you know, it kind of comes into picture. There's definitely an interplay between the two when it comes to balance in our foods. And honestly, without fat, we wouldn't have balance and we probably wouldn't necessarily have flavor. There's a lot of things that our foods would lack without fat. So I know that we have hit in previous episodes, butter, as well as cooking oils, which are both two types of fats. Yeah. And so there might be a little bit of overlap in this episode. I think really we want to play off of that, that we're going to steal from Samin on this episode <laughs> and play off of a little bit of that salt, fat, acid, heat. She's generous. The elemental ideas behind a lot of our cooking. And I would say if you have not listened to these episodes that we might be borrowing some content from, as Chris mentioned, we, we have two standalone episodes, one on butter and one on cooking oils. And I think both of them are super solid. Fell. When we're talking about fat, like really, what are we talking about? We're talking about, we're talking about butter. We're talking about cooking oils. Yeah. Like olive oil, vegetable oil. Yuck. Canola oil. From Canada, baby. Sesame yeah, but there's oil. some other ones too. Lard, I think is a, is a pretty common fat that can be used in cooking. And then like some, some other animal fats. Duck fat, chicken fat. Bacon fat, Phil. Oh, yeah. And we did an episode on bacon. Where it's at. So this is like 
episode four on fat. How far can we go? Maybe, Phil, honestly, it kind of shows the importance of fat in cooking. And, you know, if we're if we're thinking about everything that fat brings to the foods that we eat, I don't know, it, to me, like, without fat, everything feels super, super flat. So, I mean, fat adds everything from flavor to texture to honestly, like, it's even a great cooking medium, like a transference of heat medium. It, it also helps to balance out things that are more acidic, like we talked about in our last, you know, full episode, not our last episode, because we had a quick tip between then and now. But it really plays such a foundational role in pretty much everything that we eat. Yeah, for sure. And you said it best. Why do we keep running back into this concept of fat because it's so important and I don't feel like we can oversell it enough. So if you have this precept in your mind that fat is bad, that it is inherently the unhealthy portion of your food, let's just like flip that upside down. It's it's not. It actually has so much value. It's a tool and it can be abused, but more often than not, it's there for a good reason. And yes, we want to we want to be the ones to take it to you. So let's go. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, like there there could be a really long tangent right there in terms of the kind of the war on fat. There's actually a super, super interesting documentary. I know that I've mentioned it before, but it's called That Sugar Film. And it talks about the sugar industry versus like the fat industry. (laughs) And there's there is a lot of thought that actually sugar and and possibly even carbohydrates because they turn into sugar are worse for you than fat. Fat is a longer a longer lasting fuel to our bodies where sugar is like a quick burst of energy. And honestly, I think I think you even just need to look at like the the paleo movement to see that it's not necessarily like really bad in and of itself. One of my neighbors is a scientist and he listened to our episode on GMOs and he said that he thought he could really appreciate it because we we came into the episode from a scientific background, which is hilarious because we're not scientists. We don't even pretend to be, but I guess we came across as such and so that was pretty cool. And I feel like he's going to appreciate this one too because Chris, you're my favorite scientist. That was a good band. We are scientists. I don't think I've heard them. So maybe we start off with kind of an overarching view of what fat is. It, 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 it can look like a few different things. There's animal fats, right? Those are maybe some of the more obvious ones. Uh, butter is an animal fat, but then animal fats can also take the form from meat like pork. You mentioned bacon. And then there's yes. vegetable fats. Avocado is a vegetable fat, and it's maybe one of the most healthy things in the world for you. What are some other ones? Like nuts, right? Those are some yeah. fats, or at least they can be. Macadamias, nuts. are you kidding me? The best. Uh, I No. I, no, I, I, Chris. No, I, I, I enjoy them. I'm just saying that I think I like almonds better. Okay. Okay, okay, good. Honestly, I just like, don't want to go back to, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I hate everything. But also cashews, they're they're pretty good too. The way you pronounce that. <laughs> cashews. I was being excited. <laughs> <laughs> cashews? <laughs> this is my excitement coming through. I can see. Also, can, maybe I had the stages. So before we move on to maybe like the roles that fats play in our cooking, you mentioned an article, not the top 10, it was like weird top seven, maybe? I think it was top seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really hope that butter is the top one on that list because that would instantly discredit the list in my mind if it's not. Yeah, so this is from foodandwine.com. 
And Food & Wine, I mean, great blog, one of the biggest. I can't say I really use their recipes very often, but I do tend to land on their page when I'm trying to learn more about food. And so kind of stumbled across this article. And it does, as you said, rank the seven great cooking fats. And at the top of the list, drum roll, is butter. As Yay. it should be. Because we know the saying, everything is better with butter. That's literally what they said in the article. <laughs> well, that's what I've been saying every episode. Butter, give me butter, always butter. And apparently that was the slogan of a founding father of modern French cooking, Fernand Point. Or Point? Okay. Point? Yeah. Point? Yes. <laughs> All of them. So, yeah, butter butter's the best. Number two, Chris, do you want to take a guess as the second best cooking fat? I, I would say in our kitchen... I personally use butter more than anything. My wife uses olive oil more than anything. Olive oil is definitely a runner-up for me in terms of fats, though. Does she cook more Italian-style food over French? I, I don't know if there's a style. It's okay. Molly-style, Phil. Molly-style <laughs> nice. food. She's like her own cuisine. Sure. Olive oil is number two. And the reason why I mentioned the Italian thing is because, according to the article, if butter is to French cooking, then olive oil is to Italian. And, man, which one do I use more? I think I think I probably land on butter on, like, a more habitual basis because yeah. I typically because use it butter better. when I scramble my eggs every morning. Yeah. But I think if I'm cooking some sort of pasta or if I'm sauteing, I, I, I tend to go for a, like a light olive oil. I really enjoy uh, the flavor that it imparts. So, but there's, I don't know, man, it's almost like they're, they're so isolated from one another because they bring so much different complexities of flavor. They're both good. I don't yeah. find fault with either. I don't think what, one thing I wouldn't do is combine them both because I don't want to like <laughs> oversaturate things. No pun intended. That might be a little weird, but uh, yes, they, they do have their own distinct like flavor profiles and unique uses. Again, we've covered both of these in other episodes, so there's obviously overlap and forgive us. Butter has a higher smoke point than olive oil. So for me and sauteing, I feel like it's hard to go wrong with butter. But olive oil, I mean, you're not going to make a salad dressing with butter. <laughs> you might. <laughs> It would just, it would, I mean, it would, you can try it. It would harden pretty fast. Like, unless it's a, unless it's a hot salad. Yes. Yes. <laughs> clumps of hard So butter. they both have no, your right. And butter does have a higher smoke point. And not that I want to oversell it because I, I feel like we should, you should definitely go back and listen to our cooking oils episode. But while we're on smoke points, not all olive oils have the same smoke point. And that is really important depending on how you're using it. If it's a topping as a dressing or if it's used as a saute instrument, then you should be mindful of what type of olive oil you're using. There's that. So number three. We have a little thing called lard. Have you ever cooked with it? I honestly... I think, isn't Crisco lard? I don't know. I honestly can't say that I have. I really don't think that I've ever cooked with lard. I've had some recipes call for it. Like if you've ever made a pie crust, it will often call for lard. It... I don't know. I think there's some capabilities for some really yummy pastries to come out of it. But lard basically is pork fat. Yeah. And it's white, which I think is weird. But I guess that makes sense. Because like the white on bacon. Yes. That's pretty tasty. Yeah. I can't say that I really used lard specifically. I guess it depends on the definition of lard. Sure, I've used bacon fat. And obviously there's a lot of great flavor to be had there. So I'm not necessarily against lard. But number four? Okay. 
Do you remember when we covered our pancakes and waffles episode? We talked a little bit about a thing called potato latkes as a form of a pancake. Pretty delicious. If you've not had potato lackeys, then I think you should make them because they're super easy to make and they use a thing called schmaltz, which is basically rendered chicken fat. Okay. And it's delicious. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to knock it. I it's a staple it, in Jewish food. If the the Gentiles like lard, then the Jews like schmaltz. Yeah. I feel like animal fats impart so much flavor. So... If you've ever had chicken and dumplings or a gravy of some sort, there's probably a pretty good chance, if it was done well, that it was made with schmaltz. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty yummy. Number five on the list. Okay, I've never once, even in my wildest dreams, heard of this, let alone had it. Rendered beef kidney suet. Yeah, first of all, that sounds absolutely terrible. Second of all, I don't know what that is. I always thought of a suet (laughs) as the little nuts that you set outside for your bird feeder. Yeah. Like a suet pack? mm Mm-hmm. So Do you what think is that's what they're eating? Total? Okay. According to this article, it's rendered beef kidney, and it's traditionally been considered a secret and infallible elixir, an invisible flavorless fat that holds within its ivory body the very essence of beef. What? What are they saying? <laughs> okay, so my view of food and wine is now changing. Yeah, these guys suck. <laughs> because that's ridiculous. <laughs> it goes on and it just talks about like how it's the nature's defect in terms of fat. I don't even know what they're trying to get out with there. This is a fun article. I think you should probably read it. Obviously, this is linked in our show notes. So after beef, kidney, something or other. We've got lamb fat. I don't, have I ever had lamb fat? I've had lamb shank. And I don't think you can have lamb shank without lamb fat. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty sure that you've probably eaten it. But my question comes from the fact that lamb fat is higher than duck or goose fat in this ranking. So, yeah, that's actually a little bizarre because because I think duck fat's pretty tasty and that comes in at number seven. Okay, goose fat. Sorry, slight pull away. I believe goose fat can double as schmalt. Poultry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is what I'm saying, I guess. Okay. So, so what is duck fat? Fat fat from a duck, probably. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be mentally a little messed up if duck fat is, is not fat derived from a duck, Phil. Okay. Duck fat, according to this article, is super hard to find, which makes sense because I've definitely never found it. But I also, I also don't think I was looking for it. Which is sad. You, know, you should be looking for it, Phil. Maybe it's kind of like, uh, like, did you ever read The Giver? No. You never I'm read sorry. that book? Who wrote The Giver? It was like about a little boy who didn't know what color was. And then this old man, like a wizard type figure, gave him the ability to see color for the first time. Maybe duck fat is my color. It might be, Phil. So we have all these different types of fats and they all have different characteristics. You have, you know, animal fats that impart a lot of flavor. You have some of these more kind of liquid, stable fats like your olive oil and hey, sesame oil can fall into that category as well that are, are really good for things like stuff They're, that are really dressing. good in, in things like salad dressing and, and areas where you want to be able to add that fat without it turning to a solid. So I guess the next question is like, really, what does fat do for us when we're cooking? Phil, I can think of kind of three big areas that fats really enhance Okay. Uh, flavor would be at the top of the list. Yes, absolutely. I would think flavor and texture. Yeah, texture. 
And then I, I would probably throw, like actually use as a cooking medium into that mix. Yeah, I was going to say like it's a conductor as well. in a way. Yes, in a, in a way. Or absolutely, yeah. So, in terms of in terms of flavor, obviously we've we've hit the the flavor that animal fats impart. But honestly, there are a lot of other fats that really do bring a lot to the flavor profile of a dish. Things like coconut oil. Have you not tried? popping popcorn with coconut oil yet? No, I'm sorry, Phil. I still have not. There is so much magic going on there. Yeah? I'm sorry. Yes. I haven't popped popcorn since you've mentioned that. Okay, super quick for our listeners. Two tablespoons of coconut oil, a third cup of uncooked popcorn kernels over medium heat with a lid, allow a little bit of room for the steam to escape, and then some salt after it's popped and it's delicious. You don't need butter. It's just like a really good flavor. I mean, that sounds really good, and I kind of want that right now. I just don't have popcorn here to make, so... Sure, sure. Or coconut oil, for that matter. But yes, fats really do impart a lot of flavor. They're, in a way, kind of like salt. And some some fats bring their own flavor really well, like animal fats. And some of these more like liquid-stable fats that we've talked about, they act really like carriers, as well. So things like like your olive oil can carry the flavor of especially herbs, I think, really, really well. Hmm. So like olive oil and and can like really carry that flavor of like say like a rosemary or a basil very, very well. No, that, that makes total sense. Hey, do you know what we discovered the other day? Man, I don't I didn't mean to like plug so many episodes, but we talked about toasting spices and what that can do. Yes. Oh, that was a good one. I liked that episode. So if you toast your sesame seeds, we made this orange chicken the other day and it called for some sesame seeds on top. And so we toasted them just like you would coconut in the oven, right? Just spread it out on a baking sheet or you could put it in a cast iron and then just put it underneath the broiler in your oven. It added so much flavor to those sesame yeah. seeds. And I'm a believer. I think we should just about toast everything. And if I'm not mistaken... I think sesame seeds are a fat. I mean, that would make sense, I suppose. It's like a suet. Yeah, sure. For the birds. Yes. Yes. So fats can impart flavor. You know, they're also great for conducting heat. And maybe to sum it all up, we talked about this in our cooking oils episode, Phil. We can just insert our cooking oils episode like right here. I'll put a link for that in our show notes. Is that bad to link previous episodes in the show notes? I don't know, Phil. Just send someone dead. It's almost like the Wikipedia clicking rabbit hole. Oh, have you played that game? I don't think so. Uh, Maybe. This sounds familiar. I can't think of it. I I don't remember the name of it, but there there is like a website that has this Wikipedia game on it. And it basically gives you a starting point and an end point. So like a starting topic and an end topic. And you have to click through... From the starting topic, you know, through all the different Wikipedia links to the end topic as quickly as possible. So it's almost like a seven degrees of Kevin. (gasps) Bacon? Sure. I'm sorry. That was horrible. That sounds super fun, though. We should play that. Yes. But our cooking oils episode really does cover kind of the ins and outs of using fat as a medium to transfer heat because it does that really well. You know, it, it takes that heat that is coming from your your stove, your oven, and it transfers that to the entirety of whatever you have cooking in that vessel really, really, really well. It's a very efficient medium of, of heat transfer. So, you know, in that episode, we talked about 
all of the different types of cooking oils and and really fats that you might use because butter, you know, is obviously my favorite and things that you need to be aware of like smoke points you know really when that like cooking oil is going to burn so something like an extra virgin olive oil might not be the best for sauteing because it's going to burn or smoke quicker than you know the the king of all of those fats butter so yes we use fats for flavor and partition or carrying we use it to cook things by transferring heat. And then it also plays this pretty significant role in the texture of our foods. And maybe the the biggest way that we see that is in baked goods fill. Oh yeah. Like the like the croissant. I I think that's really a fantastic like prototypical example. And that also we did an episode on croissants and you should probably go and listen to that. A hundred percent done an episode on it. Yes. But uh you you see with croissants, the flakiness that a fat can add. So, you know, in, in baked goods, fats play a lot of different roles. They can add flakiness and they can also add tenderness to baked goods. So one thing that fats do is they, they inhibit the uptake of water into flour. So they, they stop flour from absorbing water. Oh, interesting. And they also inhibit the development of gluten and obviously like... Yeah, gluten's a little bit of a buzzword, but gluten is a protein in our breads that cause it to have like a chewy texture that causes it to bind. And so butter can create flaky layers between pastries like croissants, and it can allow your biscuits and other things to have like a tender softness to them as opposed to being hard and chewy. Interesting. I had not considered the inhibitor of gluten. So if someone who might have an intolerance for gluten, and again, scientists, might they be able to have a croissant more so than, say, a slice of pizza? Sure. Yeah. Actually, like if you just took a a regular piece of bread fill and slathered it in absolutely as much butter as possible, it's practically gluten-free. This is the best episode yet. (laughs) So if you have celiac, go eat as much bread just soaked in butter as you can. All right, Chris. Well, this has been fun. I have one super quick question for you in closing. If you were to have a fat in and of itself, what would you choose? I thought we talked about this already. Throughout the whole Wait, entire you just episode, butter? maybe like just from the refrigerator. I mean, it's a toss-up between that and almonds. Like you would carve your fingernails into the stick, and then just—I'm not a savage, Phil. I would use a spoon. <laughs> okay, nice. Well, I think I would choose the avocado or the macadamia nut. I lied. In closing, I have one more thing, and I think you're gonna like this one, Chris. This is some listener mail from our very good friend Zach Hansen who has a blog called The Daily Dad, Squatch Cooks. And he's great. He's a a big fan of the show. He sent us some listener mail after our acid episode. And Zach says, not going to lie, when I made my aioli tonight, this morning's podcast definitely popped into my head about adding acid into things to bring it all together. It had needed something, so I added a splash of apple cider vinegar, and it was perfect. Fantastic. Thanks, Zach. 